All right, episode three. Episode three. Uh, I don't know why I feel the need to like say which number episode this is, but I just feel like I need to. Well, you've got you. As we learned, you need to return and report. E- when did we learn that? <laughs> At a nondescript uh, time and place. Oh, okay. Um, right. So yeah, episode three. That we're returning and reporting to you, our listeners. Or listener, because uh, we probably only have one so far. <laughs> so, um, we we talked about this a little bit during our stories because they were a part of our stories, at least a part of mine. But uh, not a um, part of mine yet. The sort of a loaded topic we're going to be talking about today is telling your your loved ones um, what you believe what, when your beliefs change. Um, coming out, so to speak. A lot of people compare telling your family that you're not Mormon anymore to coming out um, because it is a big deal. Not that it's the same as that. Uh, I don't want to like... And you mean coming out in like with your sexuality? Right. Okay. Like, I, like making that comparison. And I don't want to be inconsiderate because I have no idea what it's like to... Um, you know, to be gay yeah. or anything like that. So I hope that when we refer to this as coming out, we're not uh, offending anybody. We don't have, uh, we, we have the best intentions here. <laughs> but, sure. I, I'm not a big fan of using coming out uh, for like leaving religion. Uh, I'm, I'm an atheist and like we use that term a lot as well, but yeah. um, I'm not a big fan of it because it, it it's not the same. You know, the the action is the same, but it's just it's not the same level from my perspective. Right, understood. Yeah. So we don't, you know, we don't have to call it that. <laughs> but um but we're we're talking about telling your basically telling your family that you you don't believe in the church anymore. Um yeah. and close friends and how how that all goes down. Um how does it go down? I, well, as I said for for myself and my story, I I didn't choose a public platform. Uh, I didn't do it over social media. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I get why people do it. Um, but uh, I just kind of with my family, I wanted to rip that bandaid off and just tell them all at once. But with like friends. And everybody else. And then also my close friends, like really close friends I told. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, my my other friends and acquaintances who I'm not like super tight with, they're just kind of finding out one by one, uh, which is kind of weird because it's like, it's not a secret, but it's also not something that I'm like, you know, making a huge deal about like, uh, I'm not like, it's not something like, Hey, I'm nice to meet you. I'm ex Mormon. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, I don't feel the need to just shout it everywhere. Um, but, but if somebody does, you know, like to let people know, I totally understand that. And I get why. And I really, there's something I really want to talk about is I don't love this, this idea of, like and we'll this, we'll talk about this a lot is the the argument of oh you can leave the church but you can't leave it alone 
because I mean, it's a huge deal when you, when your perspective on everything changes and so much of your life is about that, you know, and especially if you find, if you find it harmful and you care about the people who are in it, um, you know, to, to say that, Oh, well, if you're not in it, then just don't talk about it ever. It's like, what are you talking? That doesn't make any sense. It's a big deal. Yeah. I, I think it's so like you said that a lot of your friends, they don't, um, they don't realize that you've left the church, right? Right. So like people will just kind of, you know, and it's weird cause I'm also not like, I don't know. I'm not like proudly posting pictures of like, look, look at me in this like bottle of alcohol. Cause some <laughs> people will do that in like a sort of roundabout way. Cause they want people to know. And rather than sure. saying, posting this paragraph on Facebook saying, Hey, I left the church and here's why they will maybe post some pictures of them at a bar or something in a tank top. And yeah, which, <laughs> which is totally valid and cool. Like, that's awesome. Like be who you are. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I just haven't done that. And so people will just kind of, you know, find out in weird roundabout ways and with coworkers, even it's kind of weird because, you know, people will start talking about their missions. I'll chime in and talk about my mission. Um, right. Sending some mixed messages there. Right? But then, you know, I'll also not shy from being like, oh, yeah, I like Mike's Hard Lemonade, you know? Like, <laughs> and so, which the only thing that kind of sucks about that is, like I said, in terms of why I told my family. I would rather people know where I stand and what I believe than think that than think that I believe that and I'm an idiot. Right. So, you know, it's fine. Like if, if any if 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 anybody asks me, I I'm straight up with them and I'm honest and I and I actually prefer that because you know, I don't love people thinking that I am just like a half-ass Mormon or like the Jack Mormon or something. Yeah. Like not that there's anything wrong with anybody, but, but like, because, you know, this, a hot take that, that Lou here has told me is, uh, all Mormons are nuanced Mormons. Oh no. Because unless you're, and it's true because unless you're a diehard ass Molly, like hardcore by the book Mormon, but even then, nuanced. Even then, right? And like this is this is a tangent now. Like you know, I could go on for days about this. But in order to to be like a Desnat, right? To have that strong belief that it's like literally true, and that each of these prophets who have said these controversial things that seem like they didn't come true, to 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 believe that that's true, you really have to have some some extraordinary explanation for that. And that's part of the reason that I say like all Mormons are nuanced Mormons, not just the ones who have progressive views, but the ones that have the conservative views have to have very intricate ways of explaining it. Otherwise it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, um, the mental gymnastics, you know, I, some of it, yes, I will say like, I think that a lot of it is mental gymnastics, but a lot of it as well is just like, uh, apologetics, you know, like without wanting to use that kind of uh, that term mental gymnastics, I guess is all I'm saying. Well, the thing is, you know, in terms of like, does not people or like people you think of as like Molly 
Mormon, Peter Priesthood. You know, if what you believe, if if what they think, if if what they think is true is true, if that if the church is true, then they're right to take it seriously and literally, and try to be by the book. But if what they think is true is true, then they're also right to take it uh, take a nuanced approach to it. My whole my whole That's point true, is like because of the atonement. Right. And, and my the, my whole well, point is their method of explaining it. Right, like the way that they make it work for them. It, it's got to be nuanced. In order, you, in order for you to have these kind of beliefs, you've got to have an, an extraordinary explanation for it. Well, it's this. It's it's weird because with 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 the church, with the with the Mormon Church, they are they're like hybrid, okay? Because they are part Christian, and okay. they they do believe in grace and the the atonement. That they, they don't use the word grace a lot. They'll say the atonement. But at the same time, there's this structure, right, where the repentance process is very specific, right, and you have to talk to a specific person, laws and ordinances, in great detail, yeah, in great detail what you did, and that's that's not mainstream modern Christianity, and we've debated this before because I do think Mormons are Christian, and um, my buddy Lou here doesn't think they're technically Christian. I think a case can be made for both, for, I, for both I sides. Would, I would settle for the compromise that they're a hybrid. Of Christianity and... And this... Mormonism? Specific... Yeah, this, you know... The, it's weird because the atonement is infinite and all-encompassing, right? But at the same time, there's these specific steps you have to take, right? To yeah. get to the highest part of the celestial kingdom, you have to be sealed, right? Stuff like right. that. Stuff like when you repent, you have to talk to a church leader. Um, things like that make it to where it's like, okay, you believe in the atonement and grace, but like, but because when I hear nuanced Mormons say, you know, it doesn't matter, and they just they love the New Testament, rightfully so. But I'm like, but your religion is so. The, the doctrine doesn't have a lot of room for nuance because it's so specific and structured, you know? I, I, guess I, I guess I agree with you in some aspect, but at the same time, um, I think that apologetics is this... I think apologetics is an art form, and, you know, people, people, make, the, people make these connections so that seemingly contradictory axioms can coincide and, and harmonize. What do you mean by that? Um, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, I don't think. Um, People are trying to make these contradictory teachings work together? Yeah, I mean, for example, like, the, like just a hot topic um, right now for the LDS church is like the LGBT community. Because the church is completely changing its stance, whereas before it was like a complete sin. Um, they they had a lot of really dangerous and gross rhetoric about you know homosexuality and other kinds of sexuality, uh, and now people are trying to explain how to be gay and in the church. And just like a little while ago, that was completely unheard of. Right. Um, and I have a friend who told me. And, and, and I, I almost don't even want to like repeat this, but 
um, he, he told me that uh, homosexuality is a mental disorder. And when uh, individuals who are homosexual here on earth, who are, who are gay here on earth, they, um, when they're resurrected and get their perfect bodies, they will no longer have this mental illness, this physical ailment that causes them, you know, this terrible affliction. Um, again, that's incredibly gross to me. I just can't even believe that somebody would hold that belief, but that's his weird asinine way of making the gospel make sense so that gay people can be saved too, in spite of their wicked nature. Right. So modern revelation is, is just PR. Um, <laughs> it is. They, they are great. When's the last time you heard of a modern revelation? I have not heard of a single modern revelation in my lifetime. Well, when God changed his mind about the children of gay people being able to be baptized, Oh, when he changed his mind years. that they couldn't See, be baptized at all in, in they, November that's 2015? Their, that's their revelation is, is these changes and, you know, making church two hours uh, instead of three so that people go to church more. Is know? that a revelation? Like, they, like do they, do they, they really, that, have they, they really claim, said? They claim that it is. They've said that that's a revelation. I don't know about two-hour church, but in regards to their reversal of that 2000, the November 2015 policy yeah. about gay children children excuse me of gay people not being able to get baptized yeah they they specifically said that it was from god when when they did it and when they changed it back a few months ago they said that it was of god so yeah they're claiming that that is so when i say modern revelation is pr like i'm being literal that's not even impressive yeah like like, prophesy of a flood in 40 days and then show me a flood and i'll be impressed and what's funny what's crazy is when they make changes it just draws attention to the role in the first place. Like, like when they say that that sister missionaries can wear pants, you're just drawing attention to the fact that until now they couldn't wear pants. Like, I don't know, but they're PR you're just reminding good. people how old old fashioned you are. And don't get me wrong, they are good. They're great PR, but I just think that that's funny. Because I, I think from from what I see, like you're right, you're right, but. What I see like on Twitter, for example, is that the only people who are complaining about sister missionaries not being able to wear pants are the ex-Mormons on Twitter. And then all of the Mormons are like retweeting the shit out of that, uh, like the LDS newsroom. And they're like, oh, this is such like when they said that missionaries could Skype home every Monday. So many people were like, this is such a blessing. So many missionaries are going to be helped. And it's like, what about the hundred, probably thousands of missionaries before who had like struggled with real, you know, mental health problems and homesickness, like missionaries that really needed that, that just didn't get it because the revelation didn't come in time. Like what kind of revelation is that if it just responds to uh, like, like actual analysis of data, like we have missionaries going home and therefore we should allow them the Skype. That's no revelation to me. Like call it first, you know? Yeah, um, but they 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 don't want you to know that it's PR because that's bad PR. So all PR is good PR. Yeah, so they they're definitely don't get me wrong. They are good at they're very good at that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> so we've been a little off topic because we were talking about yes, we have. coming out right, Not, right? You know, just. Uh, 
leaving the church and telling telling those who are close close to us. Um, I I have a question for you because you you said a couple of times like I understand why people do it when when they like make these big social media posts, right? Okay. So why do people do it? To so that they can have one conversation opposed to like a bunch of the same conversation over and over again. Okay. Um, to where they can just rip the bandaid off and just let people know that way, you know, if they post a picture of, you know, I keep using this picture of like somebody at a bar, but if they post a picture at a bar drinking, they don't have to be like, Oh, like this is how people are going to like, people are going to, wonder what I'm doing. And if people know why, because if they think that you're a Mormon and then they see a picture of you or hear about you doing something that's not Mormon, you know, they're thinking, Oh, they're just, they're wayward. They're struggling quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you're telling people what you believe and where you stand, that's empowering because you're saying, no, I believe this and that. And that's why I am living the life I'm living. And this is who I am opposed to, you know, because look, like my sister was kind of, you know, not super quote unquote active in the church for a long time. And I, I've seen the, the sort of talk that happens behind people's back, you know, Oh, so-and-so is not, you know, wearing garments or doing this or that. It's like, I don't want that. I just want people to know. So I totally get, um, and it bugs me when I hear people say that, oh, they just want attention. Like, <laughs> oh, they're just, that. they just want attention. So they're like, you know, being dramatic and posting about how they don't believe anymore, you know, and oh, look at them. They can leave the church, but they can't leave the church alone. It's like, no, they're telling you, how they feel, what they think, and who they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. I agree, man. So. That's interesting. So, but I didn't do that. Um, I don't know. I just, I just didn't, it just didn't seem appealing to me to do that. Um, because I thought, you know, I'll just tell my family and my like closest friends and, you know, everybody else that they ask me, I'll tell them and, you know, if not, then whatever. Sure. Just let the chips fall where they may. I mean, I respect that. I think you have a right to your privacy, right? And I don't know. I Personally, I, I prefer having, like, interactions in smaller groups of people so that I can, you know, like, really talk to the person rather than just, like, you know, hear ye, hear ye, attention to all the land, right? Right. Um, but so I have, I have a, a pretty good friend from college who almost right after college, he, it seemed like out of nowhere for me, he, he posted on Facebook and said, you know, me and uh, my spouse, we're leaving the church and, you know, we don't, we don't have any hard feelings against the church or against, you know, any of our friends who are in the church. We love you. We still want to be your friends, um, but we're no longer going to be a part of it. And I remember seeing that um, I had already mentally left the church, but I was still going for a number of uh, reasons. Um, okay. but I remember when I saw that, like that was the first person that I knew like personally who had left the church. 
who I knew was, you know, like a strong member of the church while I knew them. And then they were leaving and I reached out to, you know, um, my friend and and told him that, that I was uh, no longer in the church either. And uh, I just found a lot of comfort in that, like feeling like I'm not crazy, that somebody whose opinion that I respect um, kind of agrees with me on this, or at least is making a similar life decision. So I, as much as like, I totally respect not making a spectacle of it, kind of like you were, you're talking about, um, I found it really helpful to me to have somebody else do that. Yeah, because you don't want to feel like you don't want to feel alone. And that's why the the community, I feel like the ex-Mormon community in Utah is like thriving. It's so lit out here. Yeah, man. and it's, it's so easy to make <laughs> friends and meet people. And, uh, and a lot of that's through social media. And some people just aren't into social media. And so for them, it might be harder. But yeah, it's... Um, it's it's really cool to be around people who not only had a similar upbringing but had a similar experience leaving that upbringing, so to speak. And yeah. uh, and some of the the coolest, nicest, best people I've met are post Mormon. And it's sad that there's you know people who see them as less. Yeah. Um, but. Oh man, don't even get me started. <laughs> but humans, we're tribal. We're very tribal. We like being with people like us. And, uh, you know, much like I would say to an active Mormon to not only associate yourself with other Mormons, I think it's important as a post Mormon to also, you know, try to uphold your relationships that you still have with, Absolutely. with active members and yeah. uh, people who are never mows quote unquote and people of all faiths, you know, like, uh, I just, uh, I pride myself on that. Not only from a religious standpoint, but you know, I have, I have friends who are, um, you know, Republican, Democrat, right. Atheist, you know, believing Christians, vegetarian, um, vegan. Yeah. You name it, <laughs> you know? And like, and I feel like, I don't know, it'd be sad to me if somebody only associated themselves with post-Mormons or only associated with the, with people who thought exactly like they did. So as tribal as I am, and as much as I love being with people like me, I like meeting people who think differently than I do. I like healthy conversation um, that doesn't turn into like ugly arguments and Right. And things. I'm totally on board with you, man. I, so I have an anonymous Twitter account where I talk about my post-Mormon things, we could say. Um, and I try to be really respectful on there. I tr- I'm trying not to be a troll. In fact, I, I don't think I've been a troll at all. Um, but I will suddenly find that I can't see a tweet that like a friend of mine has liked or retweeted or like a reply to one of my friend's tweets and I'll go and I'll be like, what the heck? And, and I'll look at it and I'll find out that I've been blocked by somebody. Um, and like, like do not take this the wrong way. Like if, if I have mistreated you in any way, please block me. Like if you, if you feel like that will better your or life. Or send a DM and say, Hey, <laughs> this might be a misunderstanding. I just wanted to reach out to you and 
you know, I know, I know that we joke around, but like, I thought that this was shitty to say, you know, I, so I than, totally agree. Right. I think yeah. that's the, the best route. And I've done that from time to time. And it you usually know. ends that like both of us are like, Oh sure. Like I didn't realize right. that you weren't being a jackass. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, and what I'm trying to say is like, if you've blocked me, I get it. Like, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you got to block somebody that's fine. Um, but it makes me sad because I really am not trying, like trying to be a troll on Twitter and I'm not trying to be in an echo chamber. I'm trying to have a real conversation. Um, but like, you know, maybe 200 and however many characters, like, isn't the right medium for having a real conversation with a person. But for me, it's the best I got. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's where I'm meeting people right now, especially you know, people of like different mindsets. You know, what's underrated. Tell me about it. Muting people. You don't need to block them. See, there's people who I follow who yeah. I I don't want to who like I follow them and then like I'm like okay I don't care for what they have to say, but like I don't feel the need to block them. I feel like that's a little extreme. So like I might mute them that way they don't they don't know and I'm still there follow I'm still following them. I guess <laughs> that makes they don't sense. know that I muted them. I guess I like blocking somebody's like throwing shade, right? Yeah, because they'll know that you blocked them. But right. if you just mute them, they don't know, and it's beautiful. I, I don't know. I'm not muting anybody, but it's because I feel very strongly about not putting myself in a post-Mormon atheist echo chamber, right? Like, I don't want to end up in that space. So I, you don't want to be this troll who's just going after Mormons online, but you also don't want to just only be associated with people that agree with you and that you agree with. Right. I want to have an actual Twitter, conversation. Sometimes Twitter turns into a, like, back padding session where we're all just applauding each other for agreeing with each other right but that's not what i'm interested in right like, that's the I want echo to chamber have, you're talking about yeah yeah no yeah. i, I want to actually have a conversation if you disagree with me i want you to defend what you said and i'm i don't mean defend like that you have to get defensive or that i'm attacking you i just want you to explain it to me so i can understand because you 100 you know something that i don't know and i want access to that information if you're willing to share it if you're not willing to share it then block me. That's okay. Like, I'm not mad that I get blocked. Uh I'm sad when I get blocked and for selfish reasons, because that's a whole person of information that I'm just not going to have access to because I've played my cards wrong. Right. Like I have offended that person so that they don't want to share their information with me. Yeah. But you know, fuck them. (laughs) I mean, like that is not my, my position, but I understand that like, it's okay. Right, so like fuck them, and it's okay. Listen, has the same um, energy. <laughs> if you're if you're listening and 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 you you've blocked him, um, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but no, you know I I find that no matter what what I'm discussing in life, everything is all about balance. Because blocked and muted, you, <laughs> right? Because you don't want to. Um, you don't want to only associate yourself with people that you agree with. Um, but then at the same time, you also don't want to be around toxic people who are um, mean, mean spirited and manipulative either. And, um, you know, it's this weird thing when you're post Mormon where it's like, how tough on the church and the culture do you want to be? Because, you know, you have people who, who might, who might think, Oh, you're just, you're trying to, 
um, you're trying to lead people astray. You're trying to like take people away from the church or like you're trying to say things that weaken their testimony. But then it's like, when you know, when you know that something is, when you, when you have truth and you're taught this in Mormonism, when you have truth, you want to share it. Or when you find out something about history or the past or church history, quote unquote, that happened, Mm -hmm. um, and you have information that's just being censored from a group of people. Yeah. That's a problem. Right. And so, you know, you have to find this balance between, um, you know, your friends and family who are still in it. You don't want to hurt them, but at the same time, you don't want them to be hurt. Right. And so it's like, how much do you want to keep the the organization of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Letter of Saints, how much should we keep them in check? Because the members are are pretty damn loyal, and they don't question and challenge them. Jose and loyal. They don't. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. You know, and we're Americans, right? We're we're taught we, we're You're American. We're, I thought I thought you were lesbian. <laughs> Good old Vine references, right? Um, but we're taught about these, you know, these founding fathers, how they created this government where we keep our leaders in check, you know, checks and balances and, and, uh, you know, we vote my, people all my checks office. balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine do too, man. It's okay. But, uh, you know, we just, we're, we're taught that, that, um, people in power should be put in check, but then with religion, that's a little tricky because you're taught do not question at right. all. And so you have to find this balance. It's God's a, kingdom, man. It's a monarchy. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a post-Mormon, you have to find this balance of, you know, how vocal am I going to be about what I really think about this organization that people are donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to? And it's crazy because, you know, I'm in my late 20s. Um, I've never made a whole lot of money uh, income wise. Sure. And I, I just left the church, you know, a little over a year ago and I wasn't that great at paying my tithing. <laughs> um, but it's crazy to think about how much money people are paying to tithing. Okay. Like 10% is a lot. Yeah. You know, people who are making like upwards of, $100,000 a year, like, they're paying a lot. Yeah. And it's, and when you think about some of the things that the church does and says about certain groups of people that's uh, in getting involved in politics, which, honestly, they, tr- okay, they're, they're, ap- they're apolitical on a lot of things, but they're not as apolitical as you might think, they're not apolitical at all. I don't think. I don't think your average. Well, I was raised. I was taught that they were like growing up. I thought the church was pretty, and I knew that low key rule of thumb was they're kind of conservative, but like they've done some dirty shit. I mean, I, I don't have the receipts on it, but I I have heard the same thing. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody has the receipts on Prop Eight, at least. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying, like, I could go and find the receipts, but I don't sure. have them, like, on hand to be able to discuss it. 
I wouldn't want to be on record saying something that wasn't true. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, just in general, there's there's just a lot of uh, they have a lot of sway, at least here in Utah. Um, I mean, that's for sure. But we can talk. Maybe we can dive into that with with some specifics uh, on our next episode. Maybe we can do some homework on that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, everything is about balance. Like how you know, the things that you choose to tell your, your true believing friends and family. That's like, true. I'm not going to like flaunt, like, like, you know, like, Oh, I'm doing this or that, you know, like right. you don't, it's That's like, a, I'm not going to be annoying about my lifestyle, yeah. but I'm also not going to hide it. Sure. I'm not going to tiptoe an eggshell around who I am either. And so you just have to have this balance. Yeah. It's all about balance. I, that's interesting you say that because, like, I haven't told uh, my family that I'm out of the church. I've told a few people um, under, you know, the circumstances that, that make it kind of unavoidable. But I haven't told my family um, because of that balance, right? Like, I, I do want to be authentic. I don't want to hide who I am. But at the same time, there are some people that I really care about in certain situations where I don't want to take too bold of a step and end up losing opportunities because, um, because I said too much too soon, right? Yeah, um, it definitely... And that was going to be my next question is why haven't you told them? Yeah. But boy, it really depends on your family and your situation and a lot of things. Um, I'm super lucky that, yeah, it kind of sucked. And yeah, it was a kind of sucky conversation I had with my parents. Yeah. Where, um, you know, I made them sad and they made me sad, but it, but I'm ultimately really lucky in that I didn't lose anybody because of it. And, um, you know, and I talked last time about how my faith transition didn't make me depress or make me hit rock bottom. Um, and that's partially because I'm really lucky because for a lot of people, the consequences are worse. Um, you know, some people are threatened, a friend of mine, um, him and his wife, they have two kids now, but, um, a year or two ago, they were both doubting mm-hmm. and they were both doubting. And, uh, you know, the thought of not being an eternal family scared her. And she kind of ran back to the church because of that. That's the kicker for a lot of people. I've, I've got to respect that, though. Yeah. Um, and she threatened him that if he left the church, she would divorce him. Oh, well, there goes your eternal family. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that's a good point. Um <laughs> You know, a lot of people are in really shitty situations. And imagine the the thousands and thousands of people who are just, um, you know, 
stuck who deep down they don't believe, but they're just kind of making it work. They're playing Pascal's wager. Right. Well, they might be looking at it like that, but they might be just like, man, I'm stuck. Like, I want to leave, but I can't. Sure. So maybe it's not so much that they're like hoping that they'll get the eternal family, but just for like purely temporal situations, they can't, they can't leave. So that for those of you that don't know, Pascal's wager is basically the logic of, I don't know if it's true or not, so I might as well stay in it because the consequences um, for it being true or worse. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but it's not like staying in it. There's no consequences. I mean, you, you are missing out on some things in life. I'm sorry, but it, you know, that it's not like you have nothing to lose by staying in it. You kind of do have some things to lose. I mean, I think that's a conversation worth having with like a, a very, well-educated, um, like true believing Mormon, because they actually have some like really good perspectives, perspectives into that. And I just think having like a, a honest and open conversation about like what you actually do lose is something worth having. I, what I'm saying is I don't want to straw man it and say like, like that there's nothing to lose, but I also don't want to like not give Mormons the opportunity to like, you know, kind of give their, perspective on why they don't think you lose anything you know what i mean right exactly yeah. um and it would be really cool to have a true believing mormon on our podcast if you're a true believing mormon and you want to come and talk to a couple ex-mormons in a completely non-judgmental friendly atmosphere and you're not afraid of like talking openly uh send us a dm on twitter or reach out to us we'd Abs- love to have you absolutely and we're not interested in debating a a hardcore like Bible thumping debate. Um, But if you want to have like a healthy discourse and we're not saying that, that you can't disagree, um, but we just don't want to have this like, you know, like, (laughs) like throwing down match. Uh, But like, yeah, like, like we don't have to agree on everything, but we just want it to be civil and polite and, and super open. Sure. Um, I think that would be really cool. Hit us up. Yeah. I I just wanted to to um really quick talk about like so we were talking about how um there's sometimes you feel like you're stuck and you can't leave the church. Um that was kind of the the situation I was in um with my family. I didn't want to like let them know that I didn't believe anymore. Uh, for these reasons that weren't really about like, I'm afraid that I'm going to miss out on eternal life, but I didn't want to miss out on like my family. Uh, and there are some real, real situations behind that, that make that valid. I know I'm being really vague about it, but um, one of the things is that I was living at home and I didn't want to like bring that contention into that place where my parents were, you know, being nice enough to let me live there uh, when I needed that help. And then I'm just going to go and like bring in my baggage to their situation. Like I wasn't, wasn't about to do that. Um, right. And so I think it's really important. Like if you're going to uh, like take that step, let your family know, just make sure. And like, and I have a great family too. So I, I wasn't, I'm not worried that they're going to disown me or anything. It's simply a couple of complicated situations that make me hesitant. Um but make sure that you do have a like a fallback plan in case things do go south. 
Um, you don't want to get like, you know, not that all families do this, but like there are horror stories. You don't want to get kicked out of the house without a place to live, you know, without um, help for your education. If you're currently going to school or something like that, like do it at a time that makes sense for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's actually a good point. Um, that the, you should be tactful and, and, um, you know, and if there are, if there are external factors there, um, I'm, I'm going to tell my family I'm going home for Christmas and I already have planned to, uh, have a, have a breakfast with my, my stepdad and a lunch with my mom. Uh, one-on-one, I'm just going to talk to him about what's going on. Hopefully, you know, I, I know how active are they in, in the church? Totally, totally active, true believing, faithful members, good people. What's your relationship with them like just in general? Well, I mean, long story short, my parents are divorced, okay. right? So I'm talking about my mom and my stepdad. Uh, fantastic relationship with them. I talk to them on a semi-regular basis, like maybe once a week minimum, you know? Um, yeah, there's a lot of openness there. My mom and I have talked about like, quote unquote, deep doctrine, um, talking about like the, you know, LGBT in the church and that kind of right. stuff. But um, I'm sure that they already have kind of an, an awareness of me having different thoughts and probably not going to church anymore. Um, but I still want to have that conversation, like you said, so that it's all out on the table so I can live like my authentic life and give them the opportunity too to like support me and also like set boundaries if, if they need to, I trust them to do that. You know what I mean? Right. So how will you, you know, you said you would do like a, a brunch, Are you, <laughs> you're saying separately one-on-one. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like highly introverted. <laughs> um, I like managing my social, my social encounters, uh, setting them up for myself to be successful. And so I just want to do them one-on-one so that I can answer like individual questions and focus on what that person needs to know and what that person needs from me rather than trying to manage like juggling two people at the same time, trying to meet two different sets of needs. I just want to do that one-on-one, like have that tailored experience for them. Right. So how will you get the, the logistics of what you'll say to them? Do, do you know what you're going to say and how are you going to say it? Just be honest, man. Yeah. Like this isn't a big deal. We're going to like, we go to, you know, I go to breakfast with my dad, like pretty regularly when I'm around him. Uh, my mom and I don't really go to lunch that much. She's like so busy, man. She's one of those like super moms in the church, you know? Right. Um, but I'm sure since I'm I'm going home for Christmas, she'll give me some time and just tell him like, tell him the truth. Hey, you know, I love you. I'm I wanted to be open with you about this. I'm out of the church, and I want to know if you, you know, if you need anything from me so that we can have a harmonious relationship. And here, like, here's the spoiler: I have young siblings. Like, we're talking like ten to fifteen. Okay. Um, and they mean a lot to me, and I wouldn't want my parents to be hesitant about allowing them, allowing those young um, kids to have relationship with me because I have different ideas. Do you think that they would? I think there would be some hesitation, yeah. And so, and like, you know, having this overt, like, conversation, I can kind of point out that I've been out of the church for several years, 
and I haven't done that. And I can kind of show them, you know, like, look at how I've been acting. You know, you don't have to worry about me trying to undercut your children or, you know, teach them something that you don't want me to teach them. Um, I, I just being overt about that communication and like what the relationship is going to be like. Now, who do you think it'll be more difficult with your, your mom or your step? My mom. Yeah. My stepdad's a convert. Okay. He'll get it. My mom born in the church, true believing the, the church actually got us out of a rough place when I was younger. And my mom was going through like a difficult time being a single mother. Right. So I'm sure it will hurt her that I no longer believe. Now, do you think that they kind of, do you think they kind of know or suspect? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. How much have they like asked you about that? Not at all. They haven't brought it up at all? Mm -mm. Because I I think you've mentioned that your grandparents have. So this is my grandparents on my dad's side who I don't have a very good relationship with. So I won't even have a conversation with them about it. Are they near and around your, your mom and your stepdad? No, no. They live in this... Now, see, that's what's weird to me is because I thought that maybe that they were all talking about it or something and that no. my my dad's family does not have a good relationship with my mom. Oh, oh, so this is your dad's family, not your stepdad's. Okay, got so it. So my stepdad and my yeah. mom are the ones we have right. the conversation right. with. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so my grandparents had a conversation with them and they brought it up that they wished I was still going to church and stuff. And that was really strange. But that's weird because, because they, how do they know that you're not? Right. We don't have a good, I mean, I don't have a bad relationship with those grandparents. I just don't have a relationship with those right. grandparents. Um, and so that was really interesting. Yeah. Like how do they know that you're not going to church? That's weird. It's because I have a poor relationship with my dad and my stepmom, And so they just like to tell stories. I mean, obviously the story is true, um, but they wouldn't know either because they, don't talk to me. They don't right. see me. I'm not on social media for them to see. Right. So. Interesting. But it's okay. I'll get through it. I'll, I'll do a, um, I'll return and report after Christmas. Sure. So is there anybody else in your life that you haven't told yet that you're planning on telling other than your mom and your stepdad? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, like, my good friends already know. Right. And that's because... That's with my close <laughs> friends knew before my family did. My close friends knew before I knew that I was out of the church. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I mean, to some extent I'm exaggerating, but to another extent, like, that, a true friend knows. You know what I mean? Well, it is interesting being out, being a post-Mormon. There are certain people who are trying to, they're making it work, who are a little bit more, like, open-minded and progressive, and you're just thinking... I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, they're on their way out," but you're thinking like, oh, "They're they're kind of." I feel bad because I I think that they're doing mental gymnastics and really trying to tell themselves that it's true. Yeah, which is, I don't know. I feel I feel like I sound so arrogant, but like, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I've been there, and it's hard. <clears throat> And, you, uh, you really can't control what you believe, right? And so if I, be, if I already believe it, and I'm not saying that it's bad that you already believe it, but if I already believe it, I'm going to try to explain it uh, using whatever method I can. And you, you might call that mental gymnastics. And I don't, I don't think that's a bad 
um, way to describe it. I sometimes want to avoid that just so that people don't think I'm like, you know, telling them that they are lying to themselves or whatever, but they're looking for something that just, that supports that belief. Uh-huh. And so I, I can't blame somebody for that. I just think if you take a moment to assess why you believe um, and, and find a good reason to, I think that's way more valuable than just having that belief and then supporting it, looking for the evidence to support it. In what ways do you feel like you've changed? Because in, in uh, here's why I'm asking you is when I told my um, one of my sisters who's true believing um, she, I, I told her and this was uh, granted. I, I, I do acknowledge how naive this is and how naive this sounds. I said, not that much is going to change. I'm still me. Like, like I'm not going to like change. And this is partially true. I said, I'm not going to like change everything about myself. Like there's not that much that's going to change. Like I wasn't going to church that much anyways. Um, you know, and I, I think I even said, I think I even said, I'm not going to drink like specifically, <laughs> uh, which I have, but, um, and do. she was like, what do you mean? Nothing's <laughs> going to change. Like, that's a huge deal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you're not going to drink. Like, what if you date somebody who drinks? And I was like, okay, not everybody who's not Mormon drinks, you know, mm-hmm. first of all, I think, I said, I think that your your view on the average non-member is skewed, and that wasn't that didn't go very well. But but basically, um, what I'm asking you is, how much have you changed? Like, what has changed about? Like, what do you do differently now and not do now that you're out? Oh man, I mean. A lot, but I'm also still the same person. You know what I mean? Like, it it is in the nature of a human to change, I think. And so I don't know that I've changed any more or any less than anybody who went through a different change in their life would experience. Like, if I became a dad, I would experience a lot of change. I would still be the same person, but I would experience a lot of change. But, I mean, if, if I were to, I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, if I were to say like precisely what has changed about me, um, the fact that I questioned like a very large foundational piece of my worldview caused me to question other pieces of my worldview. And I feel like I'm not only do have I like taken the opportunity to learn more about different people and, and what they think and how they think the world works. Um, I'm, incredibly more open-minded than I was when I was a, a member of the church. And I thought that I had the fullness of the truth without even needing to go seek it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something, something that I actually, I remember thinking when I was a kid and this is like dark or I don't know about dark, but this is like, yeah, dark. When I, was, time. All right. when I was like in like second grade, I just remember you know, being mad at like my teacher or being mad at like the people I'm in school with and just, you know, this is in Texas. So I'm like one of the only Mormons around. And I just remember thinking like, well, I have to, I know the truth and they don't. Right. 
Yeah. And now, years and years later, as a non-Mormon, um, I have the opposite thoughts where like I'll be in traffic and I'll be like, oh, all these Mormons, man. Like <laughs> and so it's this unhealthy tribalism, right? That we all have. Sure. Where whatever you think or believe, you you just I mean, everybody thinks they're right. That's what a belief is. Sure. Like no matter what you believe, you <laughs> think you're right. And it's okay to think it's okay to think you're right. Yeah. Right. It's not okay when we're comparing ourselves to others in a way where you're, oh, well, I'm better than them. Yeah, there shouldn't be a value aspect attached to that belief. Not necessarily. I'm, I mean, I probably would say that there's a value that can be attached to Well, beliefs. and with religion, value is kind of built into that. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's that's a lot to, to untangle for right now. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is you're right, right? The, the thing is, like, I'm an atheist, but I'm an agnostic atheist. I don't right. think that I have some ultimate truth about the nature of God. I just don't believe the stories that people have told me about God. Like I'm, I'm totally open to somebody allowing me more information, but for the time being, I just don't believe what you've said, you know? And I don't know. I mean, this is just basically confirming what you just said, but I think that that is a more reasonable position to hold. Right. I mean, if you if you believe what I was what I was saying earlier is like if you believe and you have good reasons for belief, like fantastic. Also, would you please share that for me because or share that with me because I would love to know if you have something that works better than what I have. But I I have honestly reviewed the Mormon theology and it just doesn't make sense. Well, in Mormon theology is so specific. That it's not just this matter of like, it's not like having this philosophical discussion, you know, where it's like, yeah. oh, well, what about this angle? It's like, no, there's some pretty hard evidence about some specific things like the Pearl of Great Price, for example, uh -oh. just just one of them, um, you know, at the time we there weren't a lot of scholars, if any, that knew Reformed Egyptian or whatever version of Egyptian that yeah. the papyrus is. But now we know, and we know that that's not about Abraham. Right. So. Oh, man. We should talk about this sometime. I took a, a Pearl of Great Price class at uh, BYU. Really? And they have, like, they actually have pretty good apologetics. Like, I don't believe it, but they have good apologetics. It's some, it's some, and I've heard some of it. Um, man, you know a lot more about apologetics than I do. I just, but, I like it. But, like, um, I need to listen to more of them um, to, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Should, just, I, should I drop the name of the teacher? Because he was fantastic. I mean, if you want. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Like, I really, I really enjoyed it. I won't drop it now. You, but I, just, I yeah. just want you to know, brother, whose name I will not drop here, I really enjoyed your class. I really liked you. I just don't, I don't believe it. But I thought your class was fantastic. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff, but, but what I'm getting at is, you know, with, with this theology, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's some recent, it's so interesting because the mid, the mid 1800s were, they're so long ago, but so not, you know what I mean? Like the, we, we know just enough about church history 
to know that, oof, it doesn't look good. But like there's certain things where it's like we can't prove that Joseph Smith wasn't a pedophile. Oh, gosh. Or was a pedophile. Um, you know, but there are a couple things you can prove. <laughs> uh, you know, like the Book of Abraham, for example. But uh, it's more than what I'm getting at is it's more than the, just this philosophical discussion when you're making these specific bold claims. <laughs> well, it's for, for the Mormon church, the route to knowledge is not, um, is not like the scientific method or like actual investigation. The route for them is reading and praying and then determining how you feel. Yeah. It doesn't matter if, <laughs> Oh man, I remember a tweet from sometime last year. Somebody said like, it doesn't matter if the book of Mormon is actually true. Like it doesn't matter if like the Lamanites were an actual real people, but it could still be true in spite of that. And I just think, you know, that's kind of a, a load of crap. I'm so glad that you brought this up. Oh no. And I want to, I want to harp on this. Um, I think that that's the future of Mormonism. I really do. Oh, I think that's the present of Mormonism. Well, we're s- not quite yet. I literally saw that tweet last year. <laughs> no, but I'm, that's the person on Twitter, but I'm talking about that's the direction they're going to go in. Listen, they they're slowly but surely moving in that direction of non-literal non-literal truth claims yeah where for years they've been saying it's literally true that this literally happened in ancient america and what's going to happen is they're slowly backing away from that like these specific truth claims they're slowly easing away from that and the future of that church is going to be looking at the Book of Mormon symbolically. Oh, these are symbolic. It's a symbolic text. Um, Whether or not it literally happened, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It does matter because you've been saying for decades and decades that that it's true. And you can't just do that and just change. You can't just change what you said in the past and just cherry pick what you currently are in line with. It's just... Bullshit. I mean, so I'm, I'm on board with you for several reasons. If they change their truth claims, I don't see how they are, how they can be true. Right. Like if it, like, I understand that we can say that like, you know, we, you and I are recording a podcast right now, but 20 minutes ago, well, not 20 minutes ago, like two hours ago, we were not recording a podcast. Right. Those are two like, contradictory truths that are both true but with the mormon truth claims they are eternal truths and so if if those change i just don't see how you can say that they're true and i'm honestly i look forward to but i also dread hearing the apologetics to explain it because i agree with you i do think that that's the way that the church is headed that's the only recourse for them really yeah because right now their stance is still it's literally true yeah and they're kind of in a in between a rock and a hard place because right you know ooh uh kind of embarrassing we 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 know how to read egyptian now and <laughs> we <laughs> almost and then archaeologically speaking you know I'm neither one of us obviously are experts but you know where's all the lamanite gold and silver where are these huge cities like they were dropped into chasms millions in of millions, millions of people and it's and <laughs> like, wouldn't there be coins that say like Zarahemla in Reformed Egyptian? 
No, like, man. They were, like I said, they were dropped into the depths of the abyss never to be seen again, right? Isn't that what the Book of Mormon says? I don't know. I didn't read that part, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were translated up with the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, so for me, <laughs> with the city of Enoch. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, for, for me. I got to give on that one. That one's a pretty awesome theory. That's, that's dope. <laughs> that's pretty that's awesome. Dope. Oh, yeah. Like that, you know, it yeah. used to be land, but now it's just. Um, so like for me, you said they're stuck between a rock and a hard place with their truth claims. For me, it's, it's easy. Just show me that it's true. Right. Give me something other than pray about it and feel good because that's not, um, that's not a reliable source of information. Just like you said, where are the coins? It's not even about the coins or the cities. It's just show me that it's true. Well, they, they tried. Uh, back in, let's see, man, I, okay. Uh, I'll have to like, maybe next episode we'll do like a fact check and like go over some of this stuff. Oof, but like, That's a lot of work. <laughs> well, some of this stuff because there was a, um, there was an, an archeologist, arche, wow. Archeologists that worked for BYU in like the fifties, okay. the 1950s. And during this time, the church was like, wanting to fund some archaeological stuff um, and, like, find Zarahemla and shit. And the head of archaeology at BYU, after five or six years, um, and, like, I think he traveled a little bit, went to, like, South America. And after a couple, a number of years, he basically uh, left BYU and left the church and said, there's it's not real and like he was you know he's a a prominent member of the archaeological community at the time and it's like you know do i be laughed at and mocked at by my peers yeah or scorned by my religion which do i pick so I, i i i don't envy him he's a hero for upholding what he believed to be true yeah um okay, his name was Thomas Stuart Ferguson. And um basically Oh, I've seen that PDF. Somebody really? sent it to me. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He he wrote to uh David O. McKay um in the this would have been either late forties or early fifties. And he he said, Look, if we can get some some archaeological hard evidence for the Book of Mormon this could do a lot of good for the church. We could get a lot of nationwide and, and global attention um, from this. <coughs> and uh, he, he got lots of funding and went down to uh, Mexico and other areas for like 10 years. Oh my gosh. And um, they, they did all, all kinds of looking and digging and, and, um, and, Basically, um, Ferguson finally, finally wrote, um, I have it here, just a second. He said, with all of these great efforts, it cannot be established factually that anyone from Joseph Smith to the present day has put his finger on a single point of terrain that was a Book of Mormon geographical place. And the hemisphere has been pretty well checked out by competent people. 
Thousands of sites have been excavated. Ferguson pointed out in his paper that the text of the Book of Mormon makes it very clear that certain items should be found in archaeological excavations and that these items are not presented in the sites proposed. He noted, uh, for instance, that thousands of archaeological holes um, in the area proposed have given us not a fragment of evidence of the presence of the plants mentioned in the Book of Mormon. And, um, and then a few years later, in a second quote, he, um, he says this about Mormonism in general. Mormonism is probably the best conceived myth fraternally to which one can belong. Joseph Smith tried so hard, he put himself on the limb with the Book of Abraham and also with the Book of Mormon. He can be refuted, but why bother? It would be like wiping out placebos in medicine, and that would make no sense when they do lots of good. So he was sort of defending uh, people staying in the church, but also um, he admitted that he couldn't build much of a case for for the Book of Mormon in uh, in Mexico and South America. But you know, people might point to saying that it took place in North America. You know, right. it's they never changed that. So it's a never anyway. ending. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Thomas um, Thomas Thomas Stewart Ferguson. Excuse me. In <laughs> um, that. It wasn't easy for him to to be honest about his work and his uh, what he knew to be true. So yeah, Thomas Thomas Stewart Ferguson mm-hmm. yep. is our is our Banff of the day. Yeah, Banff of the day. Is I, that a, I just I just stole that from Philip DeFranco. I, I really apologize. <laughs> we c- that can be a thing. We can do that. <laughs> so. If we're gonna do that though, we we definitely got to give that to some TBMs as well. Yeah, you gotta spread the love. Yeah, you gotta. Okay, I think that'll wrap it up for today. We're yeah, running man. well on time. So, did you have anything else? I don't think I did. Is there anything I can help you with, <laughs> Brother um, Draper? <laughs> not that I can think of. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If uh, if you like what we're doing, if you want to see us do something else, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Um, for sure. Latter Day Ain'ts. Latter Day Ain'ts. Yep. Yeah, come find us, um, send us a DM, tweet at us, you know, talk to us. We're lonely. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. All right, you guys. Oh, no.